Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, American Cowboy in New Zealand. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Alrighty guys, hey thanks for tuning in today. I'm sure glad you're along and and I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I sure am enjoying uh, sharing some thoughts and ideas and stories with you and interviewing some really amazing people. So thanks for jumping on here again today. Hope you're having a great day, whatever you're up to. And we're gonna we're gonna talk today, share a little story, but talk about one of my favorite subjects and one that I get on in all of my clinics. And as I'm helping people deal with things they face with their horses, and that is the feeling of losing control, the feeling of uh, a horse that bolts or spooks or shies or tends to, whether it's a habit or, or just a young horse or a real spooky horse, all of us that have ridden horses for any length of time are familiar with that feeling of losing control. In reality, I think the idea of control is somewhat of an illusion as a horse really cannot be controlled you know, like a machine unless it is completely shut down and becomes what I call mechanized. This is unfortunately what often happens to performance horses in various disciplines. But they're not a machine, and they're still not a machine even when they're shut down. They could still wake up at any given moment to express their opinions, but many times they do not. But you know, the idea of control, I guess what we're really losing in that moment that we call losing control is the place of harmony or connection that is based in trust, understanding, and good experience. Their mind and emotions lose the focus we may have been sharing a moment before and now their body is going in the direction or at the speed indicated by how they're feeling and thinking. As Ray Hunt used to say, where the mind of the horse goes, the horse goes. And I use that quote all the time. You know, they're not distracted quite focused actually on survival. We use these terms a lot, right? Oh, my horse is, he's just distracted, so easily distracted. Well, he's actually probably pretty focused on just the wrong things. He's not focused on what we would like. And what we would like is some kind of response to us and our communications in that moment. In that moment when we feel that connection and that communication being broken off, there's a lot of things that can happen in a very, very short amount of time. And there isn't time, or that isn't the time, I guess, to begin to wonder what we're going to do or try various things, you know, that we don't have, haven't tried before, you know, or uh, have no answer or flip into panic mode and survival mode ourselves. This is not going to fix the situation uh, and, and keep us safe or offer many answers to our horses. In moments like this, it is easy for us to become as reactive as they are. And this leaves the situation basically leaderless with both of us panicking and essentially just trying to survive. We need a better strategy. 
And it starts with us. It starts with a better understanding in us as to what is going on and how to address it. It has more to do with questions of why and when than the question of what. That's the question I'm always getting is, when my horse does this, my horse doesn't listen or he bolts or he takes off or he bucks or he spooks or he doesn't load in the trailer or anything. You know, it's always the question of what am I supposed to do? And I'm constantly trying to help all of us ask questions more like why and when and how. As our understanding and knowledge grows, then our horse can learn how to manage or even accept situations that are out of his comfort zone through other means than flight. Getting them thinking again is the key. Getting them thinking again is the key. You know, the first time I really recall being horseback would have been when I was about six years old, I guess, on a slightly spoiled mare named Princess. <laughs> uh, but what's in a name, right? She belonged to the neighbors, and us kids had been taking turns leading each other around the pasture. We were over on the east side of my folks' place. and I was the oldest, and I think, if I recall, I, I think I eventually decided I ought to take the reins myself and go for, go for a real ride, you know. Well, don't ever forget the proverb that pride goes before the fall. You see, Princess wasn't exactly, you know, well broke or or all that kid broke, and she certainly knew who she, who she was dealing with by this time. So we wandered along a fence line quite a distance from everyone else, and then suddenly she just decided to quit the country. And this was not a shy or a spook or fleeing. She, it was a practiced, evasive maneuver that she had had some success with before, I suspect. I had no idea what to do, except just pull back on the reins and try to hang on. As most of you know, this is rarely successful in stopping a confirmed runaway, no matter what kind of bit you have in their mouth. But I did manage to hang on as she made her way across the pasture. You know, it was terrifying. I, I was crying by the time my dad caught up with me. And, I, you know, like I say, most of us have experienced that situation in some way or another. I think we can all kind of relate to that. And the key, I want to go over some of the keys and some of the things we need to think about when it comes to this situation and how to prepare ourselves and our horses better for it. We need to intentionally prepare both our horses and ourselves for these kinds of situations. So starting on the ground, we need to be able to simulate trouble and help our horses understand that the survival and the safety that they are so interested in and that is really the top, their top priority, those things can be achieved through coming back to response. Response to our indirect feel or our body language and response to our direct feel, the halter, snaffle, or hackamore that we are using. The safety and survival that they need and are looking for can be achieved not through flight but through coming back to response. This is a conditioned thing. This is a conditioned process forming new 
neurological pathways. And, and, and these pathways are pretty contrary to their, their natural instinctive reactiveness. What they tend to do instinctively without even thinking, flight mainly. So we're learning together to what I call get the brain back, get the bend back. Movement is often key in these situations. The horse wants to move most of the time. When they get worried about something, they, they have a need to move the, their feet. They have a need to feel the freedom to be able to move their feet. Every once in a while, you've got one that wants to you know, freeze up or stop and really look at something. But somewhere in that process, even that one's probably going to want to be able to move his feet, which is why I have an issue with the mantra of the one rain stop. It seems this is the one and only answer which is most commonly taught in natural horsemanship and ends up being overused and misused a lot. Now, of course, we do need to be able to shut down misdirected movement at times. And this is one perfectly acceptable answer in certain situations. We need the one rein stop established. We need to be able to disengage the hindquarters, right? But the truth is, is that we will not get better at redirecting out of control movement by always shutting it down. We must learn and our horses must learn the ability to redirect it and they them to be redirected. This actually helps most horses in most circumstances to process things better as they always think better with their feet moving. And it gives them a certain sense of relief to have the freedom to move their feet. So in that moment, the horse has jumped. There's a braciness in his body now. There, the feet have, have gotten fractious and maybe they feel you feel that disconnect from you, maybe you had a moment ago where you seem to be going along together all right and now you're not. The mind is gone, the emotions are, are you know whirling out of control and the body is a reflection of that. What we need is to get the brain back and to get the bend back, get the suppleness back in the body you know, and get those feet back to where we can direct them and, and we've got that connection back. We need to get our conversation going again. That's really what it boils down to. We actually just need to get our conversation going again. So using the seat bone to the inside of the bend, and for more on the use of the seat, see my Ridden Basic series in my online video library at my website, truewesthorsemanship.com. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can actually start with a free seven-day trial. So check that out. Use of the seat, huge, huge thing there. Help you be in better balance among many other things right there. So inside seat bone, inside rein, and inside leg, we're asking that horse to come around in the direction of the trouble. This is where it's crucial that our reflexes are as quick as possible and that we don't just panic and grab and scream and just try to hang on, but that we're actually active and we actually have a strategy, we actually have a, a game plan. So we're tipping their nose in the direction of that trouble. They may not be able to get any closer to it, you know, in their current state of mind, and that's fine. We're not trying to get them just closer to it. What we're saying is you can't run off. <laughs> you can't just quit the country. Let's, let's negotiate here. So at some point as they arc around there, depending on how much space they have and how scared they are and how long it takes them to kind of come through there, they're going to start to hopefully follow the bend of their nose, and that's what that inside leg does. 
is shifts the hindquarter in underneath so they're tracking and not rubbernecking and blowing out the outside shoulder. You want them following their nose. So at some point they're probably going to stop to assess the situation or if they can't stop they're going to, because they don't want to keep going forward, they're going to change directions and at the same time they swap eyes. Okay, So if they can't settle down to stop and assess they're going to change eyes, swap eyes, change directions and now they're going back the other way and you have switched. You're going to switch seat, rein, leg because now they're bent the other way and basically you're going to go back the other direction facing them up to the treble again and you're going to work them uh, you're going to work them with either that they do there. If they want to stop, cool. They can stop and assess things and, and let them have a look. Uh, if, it, if they're really, really hot, if they're really, really tight right there, I almost prefer to ask them to go ahead and move their feet again before they sort of freeze up for too long because it can be quite explosive then when they go to move again. But at any rate, there's this little saying that I always tell people and, and I try to get them thinking this and hearing hearing this in their mind as they're working through a situation like this and that is one rain wears the brain. Get the brain back, get the bend back. So it's not just one rain stop necessarily. We don't need to just shut down that forward movement that feels out of control. We actually need to be able to redirect it. So we're working with it. We're working with where the mind of the horse is at. Very important as opposed to just demanding that they don't move their feet when survival in their mind dictates that they need to move their feet. If we get in that fight, and that's really what it is, is we're just, then we're just arguing with their nature and we're not, we're not helping them come to any better answers. So you might have to let him work at it, you know, and you might be back and forth changing eyes for quite some time, maybe it feels like back and forth and changing directions and it starts to look something like a bit of a figure eight, right? And you've got a game plan. You're not worried about whatever it is, you know, providing it's not a grizzly bear or something. You're just working him through it. You're just giving him something to do with the busyness in his feet. You're trying to help establish the the conversation again. You're helping him learn to trust you as a confident leader to yield his pole and soften his spine and to respond as best he can to to allow you to direct his feet the best he can and ultimately he's finding that safety and survival through the process at the same time he's getting exposed to the trouble it's right there but it's not killing him he's seeing it out of both eyes if he wants to stop and look at it you're letting him do that and you know it might be 10 seconds it might be 10 minutes it might be something that's going to take more than one session but you're helping him come to a better frame of mind and think his way through it and come back to response and learn to trust you as a leader that's confident and has a game plan and and has a strategy to work through something rather than just fighting him or arguing or freaking out yourself. So this helps him grow in confidence and bravery if we take the time necessary, not disregarding his concern, but helping him deal with it in a different way. And this is basically the process, and it can look a lot of different ways, but this is basically the process that I use when I am starting youngsters and I start a lot of colts. And when I get them riding out and we're facing the real world stuff, it happens with every one of them at some point, most of them more than once, we're going to run across something. 
And so it's the process of helping them get that good experience early in their education, getting with the rider, trusting the rider, getting back with the rider after they've lost that connection and learning how to how to take our word that it's going to be okay and that they can truly survive and find that safety and comfort through a different means than what they instinctively naturally want to do, which is to flee. So I hope that's given you some strategies and some better ideas of what's going on and better understanding of where your horse is coming from with that. And maybe some things you can do from the ground on up into the saddle to help perhaps in your case rebuild the the situation that you're in or if you're starting a young a young one some of the steps that you want to go through if you haven't i do encourage you to check out my online video library i've got the groundwork series the ridden basic series i've got videos on response versus reaction as well as response in spite of trouble some different ideas and concepts around all of this that will really help you see what i'm talking about as well so i hope you've enjoyed that thanks for tuning in hey we'll catch you down the road Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to American Cowboy in New Zealand. If you like this episode, please share and leave your five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.